pandemic, obviously we did not account for. My husband worked from home for a few weeks, but then he went back into the office. I'm now completely by myself with a two month old and a two year old. What? No, this was not part of the plan. Like I just panicked. And I remember calling him and being like, I can't do this. I, I can't do this by myself. There's no way I can do it. And it was a lot of like mental struggle of like, you just gotta do it. You just gotta get up and you gotta make it through this day. You're listening to the Talking 20 Podcast. This podcast is for you if you're in your 20s and you're thinking, what the hell am I doing? We've all been there and we want to talk about it. We're your hosts, Bridget O'Rourke and Mary Margaret Courtney, and we sit down with fellow millennials to chat about their journey and hear what they've learned along the way. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of Talking 20. Today, we're joined by 29-year-old superhuman Kathleen Gemetti. Kathleen is an active young mom to two beautiful girls, a wife and a best friend to our very own Mary Margaret. She is not Mary Margaret's wife. The way that was written (laughs) sounded sounded quite odd. (laughs) I mean, I could be. (laughs) I mean, at one point, you might as well have said that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kathleen works in the world of human resources, but is currently taking some time off from her career to be a stay-at-home mother. And we're thrilled to have Kathleen on the podcast because this is the first person we've interviewed who has a story involving babies. And if you know Mary and I, you know that we both adore kids. So today we're going to take a look at Kathleen's journey throughout her 20s, focusing on physical and mental health and how she's incorporated that throughout her transition from career building to motherhood. Welcome to the show, Kathleen. What an intro. Thanks. So happy to be here. Hey, superhuman. Yeah, we're excited to have you on. (laughs) Yeah, that's going to be my title from now on. Hi, I'm Kathleen Superhuman. Address me accordingly. Yeah, we'll get you a mug, a name (laughs) tag, make it real official. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah, So we just wanted to start. You've been super supportive and helpful and given great insight on our first few episodes that we've released. So we just wanted to take the opportunity to talk to you a bit more about it and wondering if you'd be willing to share some of your thoughts thus far. Sure. But like feedback of what I've heard so far. Mm -hmm. Okay. So a few things. Bridget, your tone and your rhythm. Beauty. You're very calm, but also have a professional professional edge to that. Mary, you're just very honest, and that's super relatable. So the last one that you just uh, posted about, like, your story, it's obviously not easy talking about all the topics, but you're just like, this is who I am. And I think that comes across really easily for the reader or for the listeners. They're going to be like, oh, my God, I also had, like, that shitty year or whatever. Um, so that's cool. You guys are funny, which is nice. Um, and you can tell you took time to figure out how to do it professionally even though this is like your first run at everything like it's pretty if you don't know it you don't hear for it like I would be like oh these guys are seasoned like they're good really I would just say deeper question that's only one thing I one thing is to like dig in deeper but I know that's hard because if the person's not willing to be like oh no that's like an off topic for me so it's kind of harder for it to do that but yeah dig deeper because you have good guests and they're very interesting all right. right. So you're you're wanting more information. You want them to layer into some of the underlining details of the stories that they're telling. Yeah. So the first podcast you released, I want to say his name is Liam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, okay. Liam. So such a cool guy. And I wanted yeah. to know so much more. And I know that's the point is leaving you wanting more. But I ended it. And I was like, oh, my God. But like, what else happened in his life? Like, what? What? Like it specifically, what did he have to do? Or like, it's those things where yeah. he was just such an on. He was also very honest and very welcoming and very um, level-headed on the topic, which could be a sensitive topic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, oh man, this guy's really cool. I just want to know so much more. 
and that's that's the one yeah. that's the one I guess critical feedback I give. Them. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. We definitely do need to get into digging into people more and like finding those boundaries and just going at her. And if they're yeah. not into it, they'll just be like, next question. <laughs> You know what? That might be a really good question to start with is like, do you really want to get into the weeds with this? Because we'll go there. Anyone who knows me, I'm going there. So, um, but I think we should ask that ahead of time. So Bridget and I are comfortable to actually like do that. Right. Yeah. Okay. So Kathleen, growing up, you were always very active and playing sports. You played soccer for a lot of your life, right? I still play soccer. You still play Not soccer. Not the best anymore. <laughs> yes, but I still play soccer. Had my first game last season and woof, rusty. <laughs> oh, really? Was it at least fun? Yeah, it was just good just to do something for myself. But it's also like COVID, right? So challenging the ball is kind of like, <laughs> do, I, do I touch you? The ball is full of COVID. Yeah, because you guys, you guys aren't in masks, right? No, no. Right. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm double vax, but still, I was just like, this, what are the rules? I don't know what the rules are. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it anymore. Yeah. So your life has changed a lot, becoming a mother, um, so you have these other priorities. So how have you made time to stay active while also taking care of all the other priorities in your yeah, life? So I have two kids. My eldest is three. My youngest is one, and she still naps, thank God. So a lot of the time is when I put down her for a nap, I'll quickly inhale something that I can (laughs) eat and then I have a little spin bike so I'll like now that it's nice out I just let my eldest go play in the backyard and then I'll do like a 30 minute spin or for a while when they were sleeping I would wake up at six do yoga Um, that was more so to like regulate my mindset so it wasn't so like quick um, with them and I was had more of a calm demeanor from the get-go out the gate so I did that um, and then I just in, like incorporate it with them. So we at least go on one walk a day because I need to burn their energy so I can have a night. Um, and I'm always chasing them. My eldest, her favorite game is, mommy, come get me. Mommy, come get me. And, and then I have to carry my youngest, go get her because my youngest isn't fast enough. So, I mean, the activities alone, <laughs> that keeps us Just going. being a mother is super active. And you know what? It's honestly like, <laughs> I, even just playing with my niece and nephews, you spend a day and if you're like... Yeah, pick them up and throw them. Pick them up and throw them onto like a couch or something. Yeah. Just toss them on the field. It's so fun. <laughs> it's so fun. Just engage your core while you do it. Um, and I just mean like, yeah, it'd be super easy to be like, oh, I'm just too tired. Like, here's some toys play on the ground. But if you're active with them, it is quite tiring. It does get your body moving. Yeah. But my question in it is like, was there this transition period from – like when we were little kids, you were just naturally like out doing all the sports, climbing trees, doing all these active things. And then you have like work and family and kids and all that as a priority. Was there this transition of like, I have to prioritize and maybe explore different ways of being active? Like, did you find a new version of um, exercise for yourself? Yeah. So even like there's differences even after having my first and then after uh, after having my second. So my second is a pandemic baby, let's say. Um, so with my firstborn, Darcy, Michael, my husband has um, his own family business. So I would literally drop her off and go to the gym. And have I had a personal trainer for the first three months because I'd never been so weak in my life. And that's what I hated. It wasn't necessarily my body image. I hated not being able to do things. Like my mind was like, no, you know how to do a lunge. And then after, and I was a C-section, so a bit more complications there. I'd like try to do stuff at home. I'm like, are you effing kidding me, body? Like what is, you are failing me right now. So um, it was so much easier though, because I had that like, here you go. I'm going to go for two hours at the gym and come back. This time around, I don't have any of that. It's just me and the two kids 
for the majority of the day. And then my husband comes home at night and he'll help with like putting them to bed. So I had to, I had to do, so there, I had to do something. There was a phase where I just did nothing because I, it was too chaotic doing two, like taking care of two kids uh, by myself and trying to work out and sleep schedule, whatever. And then I started noticing like I was getting like cranky or I was just like not in that same mindset. And I was like, oh, I haven't worked out in a very long time. So that's when I just like eased into it and just started with yoga and then kind of slowly built and then did like little cardio things. And then when I got the bike, I was like, oh, I really like this. This is fun because you can do like Zumba and stuff like that. So I still haven't done any weight training or anything like I got to do with my firstborn. I just did at-home stuff now. How long did it take you to get back to feeling like yourself after giving birth physically? I still don't feel like myself fully now after having my second. With my first born, it was like the first six months were kind of like iffy. But then having that personal trainer really built my base. And then I was actually more fit than before I got pregnant. I remember going back to work. I was like, oh, my God, it's like you lost weight. I was like, A, rude. (laughs) B, I know. I had a trainer and he really taught me new things. <laughs> so, uh, and this time around, it's just like my cardio is not up, right? So like last week, again, I just started playing soccer and I sprinted to the end of the field and I was like, you better fucking use me for this kick because I'm done after this. Like I need to go sub out. You got one sprint out of me and then that's it. So it's to build that up again. And knowing you, that must have been incredibly frustrating. Yeah, it is. And especially... I am very competitive and I like to tell myself that I'm not as competitive anymore, but it's not true because anytime I get on the soccer field, I'm like, let's do this. Um, So my mind is like, you know what to do. And then my body's like, ah, yeah, you'll get them later. So we're getting there. And there's kind of a double whammy here for you because, you know, just from having lots of mom friends and I've worked in an industry where I worked with lots of moms. And so I hear these conversations about, that desire to get your body back and that selfless act of being a mom doesn't just end after pregnancy, obviously through breastfeeding and hormones and health, you had that to come through plus a pandemic where everyone's talking about like their COVID 15 pounds that they put on because it was a pandemic and they're just not as active. Their gyms are closed. Their routine was screwed. So yeah, that's going to be like the fact that you got a bike and that worked for you, I think is phenomenal. Both Bridget and I got more into yoga as well, because I think just for people's minds during COVID, so fucking necessary. But for you, like there's an extra layer there because it's like, it's not just COVID. First of all, it's two kids, which a lot of people say is a huge transition. But then, yeah, you also have this COVID variable where you're like, cool, so I'm stuck at home all day with my two babies. And then at the end of the day, I have to muster up the power to like go do something active where a lot of us have said, like, even alone in a house, I've struggled to get up and muster up the strength to go be active. So, yeah, that's like that's going to be. Yeah, I give you credit for even going to soccer. Like, oof. but the the push is all mental. Like, that's why I do it. That's it's because I notice like anytime I'm in a bad mood and it's lasted more than a day, I'm like, what's going on? And, and then I'll look back. I'm like, I haven't act, been active. I haven't done something just for me. Oh, I also got rollerblades. Rollerblade every night. Whoa, whoa, that's fun. Do you like it? Do you love it? Love it. So jealous. So the first time. I want to rollerblade. First time I was like super lame. I had a helmet on. And I had to get kids rollerblades because they don't have women. So I was like, what? Women don't rollerblade? What is this? Anyway, I got the kids. And it has like adjustable sizes. So I did it. The first, I was so shaky. I'm like, oh, my God. I was like elementary school since the last time I did this. Now we're cruising. 
Do you pull the babies behind you in a wagon? I bet they'd love that. No, because I'm not that coordinated yet. Because if a car, like I was going down a hill and a car was coming, I was like, no, 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 no. And I think he could see. I was like shaking, like, just pass me, just pass me. And he was going slow because he didn't want to hit me. So if I had kids in that thing, I'd be like, just save them. And like, it would just be a whole thing. It wouldn't have been. That's fair. I could just see Darcy sitting there like, mom, open her eyes. Get up. <laughs> yeah, she has all these cat catchphrases. It would be like, mom, what's the big idea? What are you doing there? <laughs> she says that? Oh, yeah. So do you have any uh, recommendations for other mothers who are trying to stay active? Do you have specific activities that you do with your kids besides walks and stuff like that? Like we just – we don't do – we do dance parties a lot where I play my music that I like. And now my mm-hmm. kids are starting to get that that music. So – yeah, we do dance parties a lot. In the summer, we've done a lot of water fights, so you're also just running around. I've done yoga with my eldest, and she gets into it for a little bit, and she does her little downward dog and different things. And there's like a Cosmic Kids yoga, which is which was great. They just don't do it the whole time. So it's great if you're doing it, and then you have other things for them to do around, and they lose interest, and then they come back, and they'll do it with you, and then they lose interest again. So yoga was like a huge one just because it was very versatile, and you can be a, you can know nothing about yoga and still do these classes. Um, and then, yeah, it was just, it was just the type of play we did and we went on hikes. Like we just always went on hikes. So, um, my, both kids are pretty good for long distance because I didn't care. I was like, well, mommy can do this and I have a wagon. So if you can't, or I had a backpack. So if you can't then get in the backpack and we're still going to go and I'll carry you the rest of the way. Extra weight. Yeah. The extra weight, extra strength. Yeah. See, you are weight training. Yeah. Well, one particular walk, I definitely overshot the gun and I was carrying both of them for, for quite a while. <laughs> And that was, that was a bit scary, though. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, what did, what did I do? I've always thought that children are the best dumbbells, especially if you have twins, because they grow as you get stronger. So you just, you know, you're lifting them up. They're like, they're like, grow with you dumbbells. You're just doing chaturangas with them on your back. <laughs> yeah, you just feed them more when you want to increase weight size. <laughs> I need to fatten you up. <laughs> uh, that's funny. That's great. Something that really struck me during our conversations during the pandemic was obviously the quarantine struggles. And for me, the experience of being completely home alone and your experience being home with two kids, but yet you still had that sense of feeling completely alone. And it always kind of brought me around to like, kind of grounding myself that like, it really doesn't matter what situation we're in, we're all going through, it's just fucking hard. And So I think you have some really good insight on that mom journey through a pandemic. And like you said, not to mention, Mia was weeks old when COVID hit. Um, So I just want to know if you would talk a little bit about that and tell us a little bit about, yeah, that mom, like a new mom to a new baby and be just that feeling of being alone, even though you've got almost a full family there with you all day, every day. Yeah. So it was... Like the pandemic, obviously, we did not account for. Um, And when we decided to have a second, we always knew we wanted more kids. But I was so like, yeah, let's have another baby. Like, whatever. Like, the first one was a breeze. Well, got this. Going from one to two is is hard. (laughs) It's hard. And they were, they're like 20 months apart. So we didn't, We it's essentially like having two babies at home. So the first struggle was when we brought Mia, Mia's my youngest, when we brought Mia home, Essentially, two weeks after that, everything was locked down. So we had two weeks of kind of normalcy. 
Um, the pandemic was still around, like people were still talking about it. She's a leap year baby. She was so she was born February 29th. So people knew, but it wasn't like lockdown or masks or anything like that. Um, so this the hardest part was coming home and feeling, oh my God, now I'm splitting my attention from my firstborn to my newborn. She's gonna feel like I've like replaced her, forgot her. So that was a huge concern. Um, the sleep was like you just you don't have any sleep anymore. It's like the firstborn you don't. But with a second born, you kind of guarantee no sleep because even if your newborn's great, you're, there's always going to be something wrong with the other one where you have to go be with them or anything like that. So that was its own challenge. And then, yeah, lockdown hit. And my husband works for a manufacturing company, so he was always deemed essential, which is great financially, which is great because I was only on mat leave pay. But the plan was my eldest would still go to daycare at least three days a week to give myself a little bit of break and give my time to bond one-on-one -on -one with my newborn because I had that with my first and she never got that. So when the pandemic hit, my husband worked from home for a few weeks, I want to say. I can't remember exactly, but for a few weeks, but then he went back into the office and essentially business as usual. But now I'm like, oh, no, no. I'm now completely by myself with uh, maybe she was two months, two-month-old and a two-year-old. What? no, this was not part of the plan. Like I just panicked. And I remember calling him and being like, I can't do this. I, I can't do this by myself. There's no way I can do it. And it was a lot of like mental struggle of like, you just got to do it. You just got to get up and you got to make it through this day. Oh my God, I'm getting like emotional thinking about it <laughs> because it was so hard. It was like the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, anyway, yeah. we, we got yeah. there guys. We got there. Um, so yeah, you just have to be like, you have no choice. Like you don't, you can't have people yeah. in your house. You can't send her to daycare. Your husband's got to work. Figure it out. And so I just, I literally just had to take it one day at a time and then go from there. And then we got there and then like she got older and then it got easier. And even now, like we have our struggles for sure, but like I get sleep for the most part, or we've developed a routine where I know how to contain one kid and like deal with the other. Did it get easier as time went on uh, because you started to develop a routine or was it still just as hard, you know, the last day as it was the first day? It was the first six months that was the hardest because she wasn't sleeping. So I would try to let my husband sleep because he had to work the next day. Sometimes I was definitely like, Michael, get the hell up. Like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> um, but uh, it was hard because you wanted him to sleep so he could go into work and he had to wake up early and all that stuff. Um, so then I just went sleep at night if one of the kids were up and then I'm alone with them all, all day. So until Mia had her sleep down, then it was, it was just hard because when you have zero sleep or like when you're just constantly exhausted, the smallest thing, like I'd literally spell my coffee big, really God, why God like today? <laughs> like it was just like, everything was just like life or death. Like it was, it was just such a dramatic period where like one small, small thing went, off and you're like I just have no sleep and then you list all your things like why couldn't this just work out for me yeah and you're not able to bring someone into your house and be like hey come help and like we all had that I was scared to have my dad stop by you want to drop off a bottle of wine and I was like you might have COVID get don't come over like yeah I couldn't imagine you're in that state and you're like I just need two other hands like take baby number one take baby number two yeah give me five minutes of sleep and my, one of my questions was, so for Darcy being the older one, there's the obvious transition of, of a new baby and being a big sister. From what I see, she's an incredible big sister. She's really patient and kind with Mia. And when Mia's doing something, like eating something she shouldn't, Darcy goes and takes it out of her mouth and goes, no, Mia, like she's so protective. 
But at the beginning, was there this like, why are we home all day every day thing with Darcy? Like a level of, I don't know if it would be boredom or chaos. It's hard to, it's hard to tell because like Mia was the new toy at the first little bit. She's like, oh, this is so cute. Like what this doll like moves and blinks and poops and so she was kind of interested in that stuff. And then once, like, Mia started to get – so she – yes, she is a great big sister. But she's – it's like the the type where, like, she's a bully, but only she can bully her. Like, if anything else happens, like, no, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, be easy on her. But, uh, yeah, no, she is she is a good, like, sister. And I think she was distracted by the pandemic because for the slight time, even though Michael was working from home, both parents are home. This new doll existed. Um, it was just once like Mia started to crawl or move, then Darcy was like, whoa, competition. Like it was, that's where it kind of switched where before it's like, oh, this is just a fun toy. And it's like, oh, this toy's not leaving. Oh, okay. I guess, I guess this is part of us now. <laughs> <laughs> I can't put this toy in the closet and go play with something else. What the F? Yeah. Mom, can you just put like, the baby away? That'd be great. <laughs> when does the battery die on this thing? So what was the mental battle like? Because it's COVID and you have this new baby, where was your head at with the actual sickness part of it and seeing people? Were you mentally, you didn't want anybody to come near your baby? How does that work? Yeah, like anyone. And I I still remember a relative came over. This is like before lockdown. And he had come from Italy and cases in, um, there were already cases in Italy and he had come back and he goes, no, I feel fine. Like, I'm not going to touch the baby, but like, I think it's just like from the airplane stuff. Like he just kind of felt congested. And I was like, okay. I went upstairs and I came down and he was holding the baby. And I was like, oh, you said you weren't going to hold the baby. And I didn't know everything I knew. But then I was like, you know what? It's fine. Get over it. You're just a new mom. Your hormones are everywhere. It's fine. He's in the house anyway. Like whatever. And then once you hear, heard more things and like the lockdown happened, I was like, holy shit. Like my kid's so small. And at that point, that was where we were hearing that Italy was getting hit real hard. It was in the news. Like it was, yeah, they were shutting down. Yeah, And there was like, yeah, it was bad. I think, was that the weekend I was there? And I remember us sitting there because I had gone to see Mia for the first time and I had a sore throat and we talked about it. And I remember just the confusion of like, are we being irrational? And like, then looking at this like two week old, but, and I remember at one point you had to do something. You're like, can you hold me? Michael wasn't there yet. And so I held her and I remember thinking like, this just feels weirdly wrong, but like also ridiculous for me to just like take this two week baby that's fussy and put it down. Like I'm not even a mom, but that instinct just felt so like contradictory. And then I remember them showing up and I left and yeah, it was like the very first time I was like, I don't understand what's happening yeah. or like what the right thing to do is. And I don't know if that even like played a part in it. But once things locked down, the only thing I could think of is I'd look at her. I'm like, she's tiny. Even like my eldest was so small. But I was like, if anything happens to this child, like, I don't know if she can fight it off. Like, I, I just didn't know what I just know what it was or like the this like the big risk. And as a parent, you're like, my one role is to keep you alive. That's my one job. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I was just like no one can like my parents didn't come in they did window visits and I remember it being like heartbreaking my mother-in-law for sure would always express that it was heartbroken heartbreaking because she would just see from the window and my mom tried to like keep her cool but I could tell like they would drive an hour and a half just to wave through a window to see the kids 
And she would drive home and like only after everything, would she be like, yeah, I was crying because I was like, you're right there and I can't come in. Like, you're my child. These are my grandbabies and I can't come in. And just to make sure you're okay. Like, I can't even check in on my kid to make sure she's okay. And like, obviously she would probably see me struggling and then go, all right, well, hopefully the next day. Yeah. Yeah. So. And your parents had four grandbabies during the pandemic, right? Yes. all All of us. So I'm one of four. Um, two brothers and a sister. So me and my sister got pregnant and my two sisters, two sister-in-laws got pregnant. So it was a lot of babies. All at the same time? So kind of all within 2020. So I had, I had Mia in February. My sister had her son in the beginning of May. My one sister-in-law had her daughter April 24th, and my other sister-in-law had her baby in August. So a little bit spread oh, out. Oh, those are going to be good close cousins. Yeah. The one the one bummer is my one brother. Um, he has two kids now, and they live in the States. So, and we haven't been able to meet her, and that sucks. And see our nephew who's growing like a weed. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been weird and hard. It's like we have a whole family member that we've never even met before. This is insane. I saw this touching video. A friend of mine just met her. Well, I think she's met the nephew before, but hasn't seen them in a year and a half. The kid looks maybe to be like three. So probably when she met this kid, it was barely even talking. And it's like this gut wrenching. And the kid is just like, barely knows this woman's like latched onto her, giving her this big hug and she's crying. And I was like, oh, these reunions, like, and for your parents to have four grandbabies that they weren't allowed to meet. And it just keeps coming. Like, that must just feel so shitty. Like, I don't know how else to describe it. Well, now it being, uh, you know, July 2021, everybody's double vaccinated. Things are starting to look like they're opening up. How are you feeling now with the whole with the whole thing? Good. So in terms of family, good. So family can see um, if you're not vaccinated, then I would, I'll still see you, but outside. And it would try to try to keep our distance. Yeah. Um, if you're double vaxxed, then – so, for example, my mom – um, has horses and she does horse, um, little horseback riding lessons with my oldest or my eldest. Um, and it was one part where like we we're farther along. We both definitely had our first vaccination number numbers were down and we had our second vax booked. So we knew that was coming around the corner. And I remember going to her house one day and I had my mask on and I just go like, fuck it. Do we just come in? <laughs> She's like, yeah, fuck it. Just come in. I was like, all right, let's go in. Um, but that was a big step. And it felt so weird to be like, I feel like I'm doing the wrong thing being in my parents' house. Like that's messed up. Um, and the whole time, like we were very disciplined in not seeing each other inside. Christmas was like our one day of breaking the rule. That's the one day. And we had a family group message saying, okay, guys, two weeks before, let's try not to go into stores. Obviously if you have to go into work, you go into work, but we took all these precautions and I remember it being so close to not happening and being like, no, 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 no. This is what had, like, this is what held me for like all these months is this one, and no one stayed over. It was just one day to be with our, our family. And then we all went home. Um, so yeah, we were pretty strict. So this summer I was like, this is, it's nice to be able to breathe a bit lighter, but I'm still very, like, I still catch myself going like, I touched this and then I touched that and then I'm going to touch my face. Like it's still very – I'm going to have to like yeah. rewire a little yeah, bit. Yeah, the mental aspect of it for sure is going to mess a lot of people up for the next little while. Yeah, and it's – I think yeah. that's – I've been saying that to a lot to people because it's compassion. We need to remember to be compassionate towards each other. I've always said that when 
like the few times Kathleen, we've gone on hikes or done something outdoors and, and Bridget, you're like the two of you are two of my favorite people to communicate with. Cause we do the like, who have you seen? Uh, what are our risks? Yeah. Are we willing to do this? And sometimes it's a no. And sometimes it's a yes. And I trust both of you to say like, yeah. Hey, by the way, so like, this just happened. We went into a store and my mask fell off or something like, you know, it could be simple or more extreme. And we're able yeah. to communicate with each other and be like, what's your comfort level. And for me, like some people might think that's overkill, but it it's just, you guys show compassion to the people around you to be like, I know what my comfort level is. And I would want to know that information. And I think we got to carry that mm-hmm. through even yeah. with the double vax. Cause a, not everyone in every family is going to be double vaxxed. And that's their decision. And I'm not the one who's going to tell them what they have to do, but I want to be given the permission to like make my own decision. And all the way through COVID, Kathleen, that's where I've stood with you is like, I don't get, I don't have a right to assume your position because you're a mom, because I'm sitting here making decisions for me as myself and my comfort level for me and my dog. Whereas you're going like every decision you make is, but my kids. And it literally has nothing to do with you, I've seen you be so selfless in that. And so I hope we see that carried through is like, it's gonna be hard. We're not gonna transition easy out of this and we shouldn't, we should still be mindful. And yeah, and so I agree, like it's gonna be hard and your mind's still gonna play those tricks, but I think that's okay. Yeah, for sure. All right, Kathleen, so let's go back to when you were 20 years old. First of all, did you think that you were gonna have kids? as soon as you did no, no no kids were always part of my plan my husband's five years older than me and I constantly re- remind him of like so of our timelines like when I was 25 I was this when you were 25 you just met me like you had your first five years of your 20s to be like f- fancy free or whatever that expression <laughs> is you had no no responsibilities, no worries or anything like that. So yeah, definitely. I don't regret anything. I'm definitely so grateful for everything I have and everything worked out for a reason. But if you asked me at like 15, I'd be like, I don't know, like 30, maybe I'll start it. Like I didn't even like, I was always so even like a guy would talk to me. I'd be like, what's your problem? Like there was no, like I was never like, oh, like guys talking to me. I always just went like, this guy must be an asshole. Like, it was just automatically, you have to prove to me that you're not. And I had this stupid rule, and I kind of still do, that any new guy I met, and he's like, yeah, but I'm a nice guy. I'm like, ew, no, you're not. If you have to say you're a nice guy. Guilty until proven innocent. I was like, if if you have to say you're a nice guy, you're not a fucking nice guy. I would be able to tell by your manner. Like, I was just so, screw boys, I'm living for me. Why is it that the three of us always think we're about to be murdered? Like nothing, we didn't have traumatic childhoods. We have amazing parents who taught us what a loving, great family looked like. And then we turn into teenagers and it comes to dating and it's like, fuck you, dude. I know what you're up to. You have a knife in your pocket. Like why, why? We also have brothers that were really nice. It's just instilled into us to be scared of men. Yeah, we were the girls at the bar who were like hanging out together. If a guy came by, we were like, yeah, you can just fuck right off. And like impress me, like the arrogance I have. <laughs> yeah, impress me. I want to sit back, relax, and be entertained. <laughs> What's our problem? Yeah, like, who was I? I don't know. I don't know. But no, to answer long answer for that question, no, not this young. So, um, how did you met Michael at your brother's wedding? Is that what it was? Yes. So taboo. He's one of my brother's best friends, and he Whoa. was in the grooms. He was a groomsman, and I was a bridesmaid, not paired. Um, but yeah, we just started, got to talking. And Did you know him? 
your whole life then? I knew him. Yeah, I knew him. And funny enough, and he's going to say he doesn't remember this. But So they were engaged in like, let's say, nine months before their wedding. It was the first time my brother brought me out with his – my eldest brother brought me out with his friends. My I have two older brothers. So, I'm just, so Andrew. He's friends with Andrew. Sean has always been like – don't don't talk to my friends. Don't look at my friends. And I was like, why? I'm not going to date all your friends. Like, you just assume, I, like, I just want to hang out. I want to go to bars, whatever. Andrew finally invited me. And lo and behold, I, I started dating one of his friends. And married uh, him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, at least I saw it through. Um, but uh, at the bar, I remember Michael was there and he was buying me shots. And I was so excited. I'm like, ooh, this is so fun. We were talking, whatever. And then he had to leave for a wedding. And I had had his number because my <laughs> Brother Andrew was like, hey, you're going – we had a New Year's thing at 20 er, when we were 19. He goes, if you get into trouble, call this guy. He'll come pick you up. He's a good guy. I was like, okay, great. So I already had his number. And I text him like, oh, you shouldn't have left. Like I did some kind of drunk text. And I remember waking up the next morning going like, <laughs> oh, my God. What an idiot. Like this is the first time your brother in, like invited you to go hang out with your friends. And then you go message his friend like, what's wrong with you? Ugh. Like I just remember being like, oh, I shall never talk to him again. And I never did. I never texted him again. I was just like so mortified. And then at the wedding, and he doesn't even remember that. Michael has like the worst memory ever, ever. And then at the wedding, yeah, we just started talking and then went from there. So your whole life has not been motherhood, obviously. So what were you doing before you had uh, Mia and Darcy? Around 20 years old, I guess that would have been. Around 20. So 21, I just graduated from Western. Um, I actually did it in three years simply because I have to owe it to my brother. He told me to take all the, you have to take like three categories, a class from each category. And he said, get that out of your way in your first year. And I did that. And then I just, I was doing a double major at the time. And I went to see a a student counselor or whatever. And he said, actually, you could graduate in three years. I mean, you can't have your double major because you need four years for your double major, but you can just switch one to a major and a minor and graduate for three years. I said, great, I'm going to save myself a year's tuition um, cause I would have just been tackled onto my student loan. So I did that. And then I saved and I went to Europe. <laughs> I still spent the money. I just didn't do it in school. I went to Europe and I actually learned a way, like way more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I went to Europe with Mary, um, in 2014. I actually wrote this down cause I have such a bad memory. Yeah. Hey, wait, I want to back up though. I want to back up a touch, back up, back up. A... So why, when you <laughs> talk to that counselor, yeah, back it up, back it up. Sorry. You're just doing a little dance. I got into it. Um, <laughs> when the counselor talks to you and says, you can do this in three years, what's the deciding factor of, I want to get the fuck out? Because my instinct in there is like, well, I hated school. So any out, I took it. I was like, I want to do this for so long so I don't have to go and move on with my life. <laughs> right? Because that terrifying real life thing with no safety net is going away. So what yeah. was it for, like, why were you happy to get out a year early? Money. It's all money because I knew I'd have that would that saved me ten thousand dollars to do that decision, yeah. and I knew I wasn't gonna do. I shouldn't say I knew, but I didn't want to do like post. I didn't want to do my master's. I didn't want to do a PhD. I didn't want to do anything like that. So I knew it wouldn't like I would still have that same piece of paper. And it's not that I hated mm-hmm. university. I liked it, but I just took and this is my biggest issue with everything. I took everything way too seriously, and I made it too much work as opposed to fun. Like the ongoing joke was like, hey, Kathleen, do you want to come out tonight? Or do you have a test in two weeks that you have to study for now? Like it's <laughs> it's like it was just I just took it too seriously. I took every grade too too personally and too hard and I didn't balance it enough. So there's part of that. But deciding factor was money to get out there and then start earning money. What were you in school for? Uh, sociology and criminology. So at one point I was doing the double major. And then when I had to do the three year, 
I majored in sociology and minored in criminology. So then you went to Europe with Mary, which we'll talk about in a little bit. We'll talk mm -hmm. about that experience. But what did you do when you got back from Europe? I worked at a transportation company as a logistics coordinator. And again, back to the responsibility, it was just, it was good experience, A, because I didn't have any, I had office experience, but as like an administrative assistant or nothing that really like to take on my own role. Um, and I needed money. I was broke. I used all my money. <laughs> so I got this opportunity um, and I obviously took it, but I did not like it. <laughs> um, it was I was like the middleman and just everyone was yelling at you and I'm like, nothing is my fault. I literally answer emails and reply to emails. Like, take it up with someone else. I don't want to be this middle person anymore. Um, so anyway, which is not the great attitude to have. Um, and transportation just wasn't my passion. It's a, it's a, a grind industry and it's a lot of hours and there's not – it was good pay for my age. Um, but overall and what I could earn, it, it's not it's not fabulous. Um so yeah, I, I did that. And then in the same company, a human resource position, a um, mat leaf cover came available and they knew me and I have family that that works at the company as well. So the owners knew them very well. And I'd worked in the warehouses there, like all through every summer I was, um, repack. Yeah, that's right. Big job for me, uh, working in the warehouse with safety boots and all that good stuff. So they knew who I was. Um, and then they saw me as a logistics coordinator. So they, uh, agreed to interview me, even though I have zero experience with human resources. I did not go to school for human resources. Um, and I just kind of like faded, faked it. Like when he asked questions, I was like, well, I had to volunteer with kids and like taking care of kids is kind of like dealing with employees. Like, so that kind of, <laughs> I don't, and, and, and the funny thing is like the guy is very French and, and it was a video, it's actually a video interview because they were in Montreal and I was sweating. I was like, oh my God. Um, and there was so he was very French, and I don't even know if he understood all my responses. To be completely honest, he had he was the director and technically my boss, and he had a um, I don't even know what her role was, but she was in human resources, and she what she wasn't as French, so she would at least understand. But I remember leaving that being like I don't even know if they understood me. I don't even know what I said, and then they're like, okay, you got the job. I liked the role, and I knew I liked the role of human resources, and I was like, oh, I think this is a bit more my niche. Still didn't thoroughly enjoy the industry, um, but I knew I needed experience, so I just kind of went with it. And I just every day I was like, "Ugh, this isn't my cup of tea." But who's gonna hire me? Like I have no educational background in this field, and I'm like, "Oh no, trust me, I'm really good. Just trust me. <laughs> See what I can do. I'll prove it. I'll prove it to you." Yeah. So then, what happens next from there? You're exploring the world of HR. Yeah. So that was very much like a sink or swim. Um, job which was stressful at the time but taught me a lot and as much as I make fun of like my time there they weren't a perfect company no but they gave me my first stepping stone so I have to always be grateful for that and because of the sink or swim I gained so much more experience in the time that I was there than anyone normally would so I started as a coordinator human resource coordinator and mm -hmm. there was just a lot of movement in the um in the department my first like just to give you an idea, my first day, not my first week, my first day where I knew nothing, I'm just like reading the policies, the person training me had to go for a doctor's appointment and management came in and said, hey, we have to go terminate this employee whom I've never met. You need to come and be the HR representative in this meeting. I was like, oh, no, no, like she'll be right back. Like if you just wait like half an hour, she'll be right back. He's like, no, it's got to be now. And they so they drive over and they're asking me questions like, hey, do, so does he have to sign the um, – 
the termination clause and all that stuff. I was like, I'm sitting there thinking logically. I was like, logically, you can't force anyone to do anything. So I was like, no, I, I, we just give it. And again, I just faked it. I don't know why. Like I was, I don't know what confidence I had. And I was like, no, like I got this. Yeah, no, first day, no fucking experience. Like I'm barely getting through the policies here. And I sit down, they don't even introduce me. So this guy's like, who the fuck is this 10 year old walking in here, like about to terminate me? And I was like, sorry. And I had to go through a whole spiel that I was like rehearsing my head. Like, so today is your last day. And like, I gave him the paper. I just remember like after and then they had to go like the other manager had to go and like get his keys and I'm standing out there and the other manager smoking I was like can you pass me one because I don't know what the hell just happened in there like I'm not even a smoker I've never and I didn't I've never had a cigarette in my life but I just remember being like what the shit was that and then that was just an idea of what my time there was it's like an HR boot camp yeah that's a great example and then like at one point my boss had, and which I loved my boss. She was such an amazing mentor. And then she got an opportunity and obviously took in. I couldn't blame her. I would do the same thing. And I was alone in the department. They didn't replace her. And again, very, very junior. <laughs> so I was responsible for HR in Toronto and the head office was in Montreal. So they would call me to check in on things. But like I was health and safety. I was dealing with um, like all the employee conflict, which I was like, I'm Googling this shit. I'm like, uh, how to resolve issues in the workplace. Like, it's not like, so anyway, so I, when I had enough of like the long hours and like constantly every day going, I don't know what I'm doing. And I constantly have to teach myself. Um, so I started to look in other industries and I got an- another situation where I left that boss and I'm still close with her today. And I make fun of her of all this. I make fun of her of this all the time as I was like, this woman hates me. Like, just despises me. And I walked out of that. I'm like, well, gave it my best shot. I literally got a call that evening saying, like, we want to hire you. I was like, oh, no, this is Kathleen. I don't think you called the right candidate. And they're like, no, no. <laughs> it's you. Imagine somebody did that. You call me a job offer. They're like, oh, I'm sorry. You have the wrong number. Uh, I definitely didn't yeah. do well. No, I 100% fail or failed that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like I felt like I was asking her more questions. And like I was very prepared for that interview because I knew I needed to get out. So I, was, I, I know I was professional. And I, that's why I was like, I did the best I can. If she doesn't like me, she doesn't like me. Um, and then to later find her, she's like, no, I knew, like I knew right away. I was like, oh, wow. Well, your face didn't show it. Your face was like, get this bitch out of my office. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so that was also she. So she was a bit rough around the edges, um, but that doesn't that that doesn't really scare me. I've been used to that my whole life. Um, so we worked just really well together, and she had no issues just sharing all the knowledge she could. Um, and that was with my that was my uh, latest employer before I took time to be a stay at home mom. So I've just kind of faked it. I mean, I did do. I shouldn't say I've faked. It. I have. I was doing school simultaneously online um, for HR. I still have two courses left that I need to complete, but for HR management. So it's not like I was completely um, zero experience. I had some work experience and some classes under my belt. What a perfect setup Um, to be working in the industry, getting experience and getting your education in it, which can be frustrating because we all know school institutions aren't always necessarily completely up to date on an industry. So you probably saw a lot of contradiction in that. But didn't your work pay for your school? Yes. So for my first employer, I started course. My like I said, I had an amazing. Ma- I had amazing managers at both companies. I have to say, um, and she encouraged me to do it. 
And so she was like, hey, we have this program or whatever. You just have to stay with the company for six months after you complete. You have to prove that you you passed and then you stay for six months and it's paid for. So I had about two classes paid for, but then I resigned. So I didn't even ask for it. I was just like, I already, already felt bad. I'm a bit of a people pleaser. So I already felt bad of just resigning. So I was like, I don't even need it. I'll pay for it. It's fine. Um, and then my new employer also, that was part of my negotiation, actually, when she offered me the job. I told her I was doing this and my current employer was paying for it. And I'd like them to do the same thing. And she agreed. So, yeah. Wow. Badass. Wow. Yeah. Because as two people who have been let go and talking to the person on the HR side of things, A, I find it comical because like you go in and have to let go, you have to terminate someone on your first day, you have no idea what you're doing. It's just so funny to me because it's that other side of the table where I've only been on the side of being let go, where my position is is dissolving and all of a sudden your relevance at the company is gone. And it's really hard not to just straight up hate the person on the other side. Like in the moment, your ego is so in the way. And to think that the person on the other side of the table is like, I had no idea when I woke up this morning that I even had the power to do this. And now I've ruined your life. Bye. And that's to give you a little, like, sometimes when you go like, this person had no idea what they were talking about. Sometimes you're right. Because if that guy said that to me, I'd be like, yeah, I was pooping my pants the entire time. And the other thing, too, is like, I, um, I feel like I am kind of like empathetic. So anytime I was terminating someone, I pictured like terminating a family member. And like how devastating that would be. And I'll never forget one person I had to pack up her desk and she had kid, like pictures of her kids at the, at the desk. And I literally had to turn it down. I was like, I can't look at your sweet baby in the eye right now. As I'm like, okay, let's leave before your coworkers come to, back to your cubicle. Like, oh my God. That was the worst part of the job, 100%. I had no satisfaction in that at all. And one employee was a bit like um, passionate and angry. <sighs> and, I, and I was literally like, I'm prepared to get slapped. And I sat in a seat where like, okay, this is like, oh yeah, she can't reach me. If, if she swats, she can't reach me. I'm good. <laughs> like, but then she took it like a champ. So professional. I was like, oh, all right. Uh, but yeah, definitely the worst part. Well, if I had to get fired, I would love to get fired by you. I do think I've been let go by some people that are very compassionate. Um, for the listeners, I've been let go. I don't even know what the right word is. Let go twice and both positions where your position is dissolved and no longer exists in the company, which when you leave is like the best case scenario because I guess on your resume or in an interview, people can ask why that job ended and you can be honest and maybe I still have references at that place. But in the moment, it stings just like any other termination, fire, anything. It just really sucks. And no matter how nice the person is, it's, it's so hard and it, I think it helps to hear on the other side of the table. And again, like I would, I'd want to be let go from someone like you who's like, I care a lot and I understand the gravity of what this is. Uh, when I was at the radio station, I talked about on my episode um, and I got let go. They made my peers do it. It wasn't the boss. It was like, it was like the other radio hosts came in. There was like a thing where the boss wasn't there so she asked him to do it and I was like you could have just waited and done it yourself it was just like awkward and I felt I felt bad for him because he was like I'm so sorry he was like I fought I fought for you to be able to stay Mm. and I'm just like so sorry it was just like sad like I felt bad for him having to do it but I was also like this bullshit. Yeah, no, that's that's brutal. Yeah. Do you think the the person that should have like the boss was afraid you were gonna slap him? Probably. 
And I am that kind of person. I do like to slap people. <laughs> the slapper, for sure. I can't do that. I can't take one of those again. <laughs> Legit fear. That's what they call me. Slapper Bridget. Slapper <laughs> 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 So you guys both went to Ireland together post-school. Post yeah. Running away from all of your problems. Yeah. As did I, but not with you guys. Um, so tell me about your trip. Okay. So yeah, Kathleen, you started working. Where did you start working when yeah. we were in Ireland? So I actually worked in Port Port Monarch. Port Monarch. And we never got that pronunciation right. Anyway, it was like men's only, essentially. It didn't say the sign, but it might as well have been uh, restaurant slash bar. And there was a bar at the front, restaurant on the back. And it was actually the first place that Mary and I went to get a drink. And even though we were in Ireland, it was an Englishman who was running it. Anyway, so one day Mary and I er, like did a whole bunch of resume thing on my way back. I just gave my resume to this guy, ended up getting the job. Great. And he loved her. Yeah, but he also really scared He me. loved you. He like really like he was like a <laughs> angry Englishman is the best way I could I could describe this. But it was like a hot table place. So we'd make like cappuccinos, lattes, whatever. Anyway, Mary had a job at like a fish and chip place, but the guy was just brutal. And like, we're on vacation jobs. We don't need to deal with this. So she quit. So anyway, we were drinking one night and we were deciding like, let's just not, let's just travel. Like, this isn't what we thought the plan was going to be. So let's make this a backpacking trip. But I had a job. So as we're drinking, I was like, how do I get out of this? Instead of just being a logical person and being like, just quit. Just tell him you are no longer working. I was a little scared of him. And so uh, we're like, well, how are we going to get out of this? And drunkenly, we're like, we we found the perfect plan. He can't have any qualms with this. So we were telling him, foolproof. yeah, foolproof. Drunk, we're like, we did it. We nailed it. Let's go to bed. We call it a day. Um, the, um, the plan was, or I'm going to tell him that Mary's pregnant and the person that got her pregnant is in Canada. So we have to go back to Canada. So that's why we have to leave. Like so fucking dramatic. Why are we doing this? And this is before I had kids or know anything about like taking, um, oh my God, what are those called? To see if you're pregnant. Anyway. Pregnancy test? Pregnancy test. Yeah. Pregnancy (laughs) test. So I didn't know like anything about that stuff. Anyway. So I remember going like, okay, I need to, I need to do it today. And Mary was coming in to order lunch. And I run up to her. I was like, whoa, you can't order a beer today. She's like, what? I'm like, you can't order a beer today. I'm telling you, you're pregnant. She's like, are you fine? This is the only reason why I came here is like to get a beer. I was like, well, have a soda. So I go back. And he knew Mary because he met us the first day. So he knew I was traveling with a friend and whatever. And so I like finally build up the courage. I think it was the end of the shift. And I was like, so I have some news. Oh, and the other thing about like, you want to promote me in like the three weeks to be like key holder. And I was like, I no, no, I'm leaving. She was um, working under the table as a server too. We want you to basically be <laughs> half owner of this restaurant. <laughs> yeah. So th- I think that, <laughs> and I think that's what was like, oh no, he wants to promote me and now I need to quit or whatever. And, uh, so yeah, so I go up to him and I was like, yeah, so my friend, um, we just found out she's pregnant and the guy's in Canada, so we have to go back. And he's like, well, why do you have to go back? I'm like, well, we came here together and, and we're going to go back together. And then he starts asking me these questions. Like I said, he was a bit of a weirdo. And I hear myself answering him and going like, yeah, well, she has like irregular periods. Why am I talking about her periods to this guy? Like, why didn't he just take it for face value? Why am I continuing to entertain this conversation? I don't know. I was just so nervous. And so I'm answering all these questions. And then to really, like, sell it, I guess, I was like, yeah, she even took, like, a blood test to confirm she's pregnant. And he kind of looked at me. And I was like, oh, I don't know if it's blood test or urine. Blood or urine. Which is it? (laughs) And he goes, 
Anyway, he's questioning only to find out that his wife is like either a gynecologist or a midwife. I was like, of fucking course she is. It was a midwife. It was midwife. So, yeah. yeah. I was like, so you have above average knowledge about this shit oh. and I know nothing and I'm trying to like outwit you. And anyway, so I mean, I irony remember- is that we decided that I was pregnant because you <laughs> you really me? don't like lying. Kathleen gets really uncomfortable. Oh. She's like, so if it's not about me, I don't have to like some of the variables I can't answer because it's not my body. So ironically, yeah. she was like, this is foolproof because it's about Mary. And she's like, Mary's pregnant and being a good friend and going home. No questions. And he's like, well, my wife's a midwife. I can help you guys. Also, fuck that bitch. Stay here and let her go <laughs> home alone. Okay. She was like, meanwhile, I'm sitting at the table like, can I have a beer, please? <laughs> we have a flight to Rome in a few days. <laughs> yeah, anyway. So, um, yeah, I was still, I think I even still gave notice. Like, I'm such a loser. Um Anyway, that was that was that. <laughs> um, so we're gonna move on to our final questions. If you were to go back in time to when you were twenty or any time during your twenties, is there anything that you would do differently? Uh, I don't know. Like, I have advice, but I don't know if I would take it at that age because I was very stubborn. Um, I would have said my advice would be like stop being so responsible because you're about to be responsible for the rest of your life. Like I remember I always had in the summers, I always had full-time work Monday through Friday, eight to five. And I remember my friends being like, we're going to the beach. Like, sorry, I have work on a two. Like, and then they had shift work on the weekend. So stop taking yourself so seriously from day one. Stop trying to rush through the paces going, I need to be successful. I need to prove myself in this world. Just take a breath. You're going to get there. You have so much time to get there. Just, do something that you like, not always because my biggest thing was like, I need to pay off my student loans. I need to pay off whatever. I need to start saving and get ready for this thing called life. And I just wish I took a breath a little bit and wasn't so, so serious or responsible mm-hmm. all the time. I feel that. Yeah, for sure. Chill out, Kathleen. Chill out. Yeah. And then if you could give advice to the 20 year olds today, what would you, what advice would you give them? I would say like have a plan. But really, truly do what you want. If you can, and it's not going to wreck your life, really, truly try to do what you want now. Because you're not, not that you're not going to have that opportunity. It just becomes more difficult. You just have more responsibilities that you have. You have more things to move around to try to make it happen. So definitely have a plan. Have a path that you want to take. But if it goes different directions, then just go with it. And you're going to end up in a place where you're meant to be. So you can't plan everything. So just have an idea and then see what the world throws at you. Well, that's great. Well, thanks for so much for coming out and chatting with us today, Kathleen. I, we know you've got your hands full with the two girls. So we appreciate you fitting us into your schedule. Didn't even hear them screaming in the background. You did You did great. I was going to say, are they tied to a tree or something? Like, how is it so quiet? Don't worry about it. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> no I got like towels at the door I'm on a different level of them when I even told my husband like they start screaming they out (laughs) you take them for a while that's awesome (laughs) so I laid ground rules real real quick well we appreciate it so this is sponsored by Michael who is making this all happen yes yeah so if people want to reach out to get in contact with you perhaps they want to you know mom it up or play soccer with you uh what's the best way for them to contact you mom it up yeah, you can. They can contact me through Instagram. Um, my name is K Gemetti, G E M M I T I underscore. Awesome. Okay. Well, this has been another episode of Talking Twenty with Kathleen Gemetti. 
As always, any feedback on the episode or the podcast as a whole is always appreciated. And if you haven't already, please subscribe or follow the podcast wherever you're listening. And if you feel so inclined, rate the podcast and write a review on iTunes. This helps with algorithm things and helps other people decide if they want to listen to us. So obviously it's super appreciated. Make sure to follow along with our podcasting journey on Facebook and Instagram at Talking20Podcast. Thanks for listening.